Our next scripture reading is from Job 42, verses 1 to 6. This is the word of the Lord. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Amen. This evening, uh, we're gathered for Ash Wednesday, which marks the beginning of the 40-day period uh, leading up to Good Friday and Easter that we call Lent. And uh, these 40 days that we're entering into mirror the 40 years that Israel spent in the wilderness before they entered in the Promised Land. They were tested in the wilderness. And then the 40 days that we read about earlier in the service that Jesus spent fasting before he entered into his, his uh, public ministry. And uh, ever since uh, the earliest time in the church, uh, Christians have devoted these 40 days to fasting and to repentance in anticipation of Easter. And uh, we also have ample evidence that as early as the 4th century, uh, Christians would apply ashes to the heads of sinners as a sign of their sorrow for their sin and as a sign of their repentance to the Lord. And uh, this was especially true of people who committed heinous sins like you know, murder, adultery, or something like that, and they would get the ash cross. But as time went on, uh, the church just said, you know, I think all of us should feel sorrow about the heinousness of our sins. And so, uh, so by the 11th century, uh, Lent began with Ash Wednesday where God's people would gather to receive an, an ash mark on their heads as a sign of their uh, repentance before God. And uh, some of you here may ask, you know, is, we're a Protestant Presbyterian church. Is this a Catholic thing that we're doing, Ash Wednesday? And well, yes and no. It depends, you know, if you mean by Catholic, Roman Catholic, Thing. Well, uh, Protestants have pra uh, practiced Lent, uh, kept Lent ever since uh, the, uh, the 16th century. And, uh, but if by Catholic you mean a lowercase c Catholic, like we say every week in the Apostles' Creed, that I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, which means the universal church, the church through all ages and through all places, then absolutely this is a Catholic thing. This is a, something that the universal church has done throughout ages. And so we are joining with Christians around the world and Christ, hundreds of millions of Christians throughout history who have gathered to give themselves to a time of repentance as they prepare to celebrate uh, Easter. So tonight, uh, we are joining those Christians. So why the ashes? What do the ashes mean? We're going to receive marks of ashes on our, on our heads uh, uh, in a few moments. Well, uh, the scripture that we just read from Job 42 is one passage among many in the scriptures that talk about the use of ashes in the spiritual life. And uh, in the story of Job, if you don't know the story of Job, Job was deeply afflicted uh, in ways far more than any of us have ever experienced affliction. 
And uh, most of the book of Job is Job saying to God, I want a hearing before the Almighty. This suffering is senseless, and if I could stand before God, I have a case that I want to make to him that he is treating me unfairly. But at the end of the book of Job, the Lord finally appears and speaks to Job. He says, all right, Job, you're going to stand up like a man, and I'm going to now question you. And he basically goes through this whole description for four chapters of all the mysteries of God's creation and shows him all the things that God does and that God, you know, God's sovereign hand has created and orders and governs in the creation. And God is saying, what makes you think that you can understand my ways? And so that's why Job says in verse 3 in that passage that we just read, Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. And then these famous words in verse 6, Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So the covering with ashes was a sign of humility and repentance. And uh, there's a similar use of ashes in the book of Jonah. If you know the book of Jonah, Jonah went to the city of Nineveh, which was the capital of the Assyrians, and told them that God was going to judge them and destroy their city because if the Assyrians were these ruthless, violent people. And they heard his message and they said, you're right, <laughs> we're violent and we're terrible, we should repent. And, and so they repented and they turned to the Lord. And when they repented, this is what it says about the king, that he removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. So the ashes say, we are fallen sinners and we need to repent before God. But also, ashes are used in the Bible to say that we are finite. It's not only that we're fallen, but that we are finite. And maybe that's the most famous use of dust and ashes in the Bible. You know, Genesis 3, where it says, For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And later Abraham says, I am but dust and ashes. The ashes are a reminder that we are all mortal, that our bodies will all decay, that we will all return to the ground from which we came. And this is the words, the Book of Common Worship has a, a graveside service. And at the graveside service, this, these are the words that are spoken. It says, Under the mer unto the mercy of God Almighty, uh, we commend the soul of our brother departed, and we commit his body to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the ashes that we're marked with today, they both that we're fallen, we're sinners, that we're finite, that we're mortal, that we will all decay, we will all die. There's one more use of ashes in the Bible. And some of you will know the tragic story. In 2 Samuel 13, uh, King David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And his sexual sin had spread to his family, and his son Amnon raped his half-sister. It's, it's so painful to even read the story. You read it, and, and the silence of the family to even address it, and the shame that comes on this woman. And it says about Tamar, and Tamar put ashes on her head. 
and tore the long robe that she wore, and she laid her hand on her head and went away crying aloud as she went. And so ashes are not only for grieving our own sins, but for the wounds that we've received from other people's, uh, because of other people's sins against us. The ashes say we are fragile people. We live in a broken and a violent world, and our soft, woundable flesh is pained and broken by the wounds of this world. And so ashes teach us humility in these three ways that we are fallen, we are finite, and we are fragile. And so today as we receive these ashes, we, and now considering what the ashes mean, what should we do during these 40 days of Lent? Maybe some of you have used Lent as a part of your personal spiritual discipline and devotion. Uh, let me offer a few suggestions if this is helpful. Probably the most common practice in Lent is fasting. Um, I, every Lent, I don't drink alcohol. Uh, actually, usually, though, in the fasting of, of during Lent, people fast every day except for Sunday. Sunday is the day of resurrection. And so it's a feast day. So you don't fast on a feast day. But um, the other days make up 40 days of fasting. Um, you might find other ways of fasting. But what fasting does is it trains us that we don't have to say yes to our flesh. Our flesh is constantly telling us we need things, and we don't have to give in to the demands of our flesh. So one option is fasting. Another thought is that I mentioned that ashes uh, were a sign of uh, Tamar's grief after she was assaulted by her, her half-brother. There may be things in your life they may be in your near or your distant past that you have thought, I should talk to someone about this. It could be uh, that something happened to you. It could be something that you did that you feel particular shame about. Lent is a time of invitation where God is saying, you know, maybe you're saying, oh, yeah, no, it's never the right time to go and talk about this. Maybe I should talk to a pastor. Maybe I should talk to my home group leader. Maybe I should go meet with a counselor and, and talk through this. And you say, it never seems to be the right time. God has given us a time. The church has given us a time. And you might say, you know, in Lent, I'm going to find someone to talk to about these things. And of course, our church, we welcome you to come talk to us and we want to be a support to you. Um, uh, it is wise to take times to face the scary and dark and painful things in our lives. A third option to consider during Lent is the Bible says that fasting is not just supposed to be something where we say no to our flesh, but fasting in Isaiah 58 it says was supposed to be something that caused us to help other people and to serve other people. Our church right now is going to enter into a season where we're talking about hospitality. You might say, you know what, I really want to dig into the topic of hospitality during this season. We are going to post uh, some books on Church Community Builder. That might be something you could read. Get one of those books and say, you know, during Lent, I'm going to read about hospitality, about bringing this discipline into my life, and I really want to have a kind of life change during this season. These are all different ways for us to say, how do I think about repentance during this season, and how is Lent going to be a season of repentance for you? So my hope is that this uh, be a time where the Lord deepens in us a hope that Jesus is indeed a friend to the broken. He's a friend to sinners, and his resurrection is a sure hope 
that every tear will be wiped away one day and we will be with him forever. Let's pray together. Almighty God, the Lord of all praise, the builder of Jerusalem, you are the one who heals the brokenhearted. You are the one who binds up their wounds. Lord, some of our hearts are broken because we feel our fallenness. We sense that our desires are evil. We come into this Lenten season weighed down with sins, sins that have been even haunted us for years. And we are even doubtful whether another season of repentance will even do us any good. But you are the one who has determined the number of the stars. And though your understanding is beyond measure, your eyes are toward the humble and you lift them up. So we humble ourselves before you. We repent in dust and ashes. Lord, some of our hearts are broken because we feel the finiteness of life. We have seen the ones we love grow sick and some have returned to the dust. We wonder, Lord, how you can be praised from the grave. But you cover the heavens with clouds. And though you make the grass grow and you feed all the beasts with food, you take pleasure in those who fear you, even in their death. So we stand in fear before you. We repent in dust and ashes. Lord, some of our hearts are broken because we feel the fragility of our souls. We have been treated in shameful ways, and our hearts have been anxious and bitter. Lord, we shrink from facing such dark memories and doubt whether you are really our fortress. But you bless the little children within your gates, and though you surround them with your peace, Your law declares your righteousness, that you are a defender of the weak. So we plead for justice before you. We repent in dust and ashes. Lord, may this Lenten season produce in us the peaceable fruit of righteousness and point us to the hope of the resurrection. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.